Good morning. Can y'all hear me good? Okay. Uh, I got two special guests. What's your name? Ivy. And what's your name? Anna. Hey, welcome, everybody, to Embrace. Say, welcome to Embrace. Welcome to Embrace. Say, are y'all ready? Say, are you ready to worship the Lord? Are you ready to worship the Lord? Let me hear you say amen. amen. Say amen. Amen. Now we're going to turn it over to the worship team. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. Give some love, y'all. All right, well, we're so excited that you are here with us in person or uh, virtually through the camera back in the back. You can wave to the people that are watching from home in the back if you would like. Um, if you did not grab a palm branch on your way in and you would like one, today is Palm Sunday and we have palm branches in the back as well as by this door. And we are going to wave those branches. And my friends, Caitlin and Lisa, are going to wave and like they wave, you wave, you know, type no. of deal. Um, <laughs> we're going to wave them during our first three songs. And at any point during those three songs, you get tired of waving and you would like to come and lay your palm bridges upon the altar, then you may do that at your leisure. But let's worship together if you will stand with us as we celebrate the triumphal entry of the coming king. Children sing their praises. 
will you read this responsive reading with me? As we are called into worship today, it is sobering to remember that when God appeared on earth in the person of Jesus, most of the world did not recognize him and therefore did not worship him. Today, we ask for faith that will open our eyes to see Jesus for who he is, that we might worship him in truth. People of God, behold and see your God. We open our eyes to see his glory. We open our ears to hear his wisdom. We open our hands to offer him gifts. We open our mouths to sing his praise. We open our hearts to offer him love. Let us say together, he is Lord. He is Lord. We praise you, O God, for your redemption of the world through Jesus Christ. He entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph and was proclaimed Messiah and King by those who spread garments and branches along his way. Just as we carry these branches, may we follow Christ in the way of the cross, that dying and rising with him, we may enter into your kingdom through Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Let us proclaim he is Lord. He is Lord. Amen.
continue in a spirit of worship by sharing ourselves with one another. We have a practice we developed during the pandemic that we do each week, and that is to share our gratitude and lament with one another. And so if you have something that you have come here worshiping and, and praising and so excited about this morning, please share that as your gratitude. But if you have come here this morning carrying something heavy and lamenting and protesting, then there is space for you to share that as well. So whether you have either a gratitude or a lament or both, please feel free to share with the folks around you this morning. We're not going to walk too far, but turn to some nearby neighbors and share for a few moments. Those of you online, please share in the comments, and we'll come back together in just a couple minutes.
All right, I know we have a lot of folks here today, and there's lots of good sharing happening, which is great. Um, but if y'all could take maybe 30 seconds to a minute and start wrapping up, that'll be good. But you can finish up. All right. Well, it is good to be together today. My name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. And I just want to say welcome to each of you. I'm so glad to see all your faces and to see all the palm branches and all the kids who are here today. Um, Anna and Eileen, y'all did an awesome job this morning, uh, welcoming us this morning into church. Uh, Jeff, they may take your job from you, you know. Uh, that was awesome. But it's really good to be together, and I'm just so grateful um, to be here with you all. If you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, I want to give you a special welcome. Um, and I know we have a few visitors today, so um, glad that you're here. Hope you feel at home at our church. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Embrace, I'd uh, like to know more about um, our pastors here, we would love to, to talk to you. And... Uh, get together even if you would like. So just let us know. Um, we do have connect cards that y'all can fill out. We, we have those at the welcome tables when you came in. This is a really good way to communicate with us um, and let us know if you need anything or if you'd like to connect with anyone. Um, and you can put those in the box here in the front or in the box in the back. Also, if you would like to make um, a donation this morning and support our church uh, with a gift, a financial gift, then we would... Um, we would be very appreciative of that, uh, no pressure there, but if you feel God leading you to support uh, the work of our church, then um, you're invited to do that also by putting um, a donation in that box or in the one in the back, and you can also give online at embraceyourcity.com slash give. Um, I just want to thank all of you. Uh, many of you are, are very generous givers to our church, and we can't do what we do without you, so thank you so much. Um, I do have some announcements to share this morning. Um, we have a lot uh, going on this morning, so I'm not going to go through and read uh, our comments from online today, but I do want to say that we see you folks. We know that you're out there worshiping with us at home. Some of you are sick. Some of you are not able to get out, and you are just as much a part of our church family as those who are in the room, and so we just want to say that we are glad that you are worshiping with us also. Um, let me run through some announcements real quick. There's a lot coming up, uh, particularly this week. If you did not gather already, then I'll tell you this is Palm Sunday, and it is the Sunday before Easter, and so it's often a, a fun Sunday where we wave the branches and everything, and we'll talk a little bit about, about that story um, and where those branches and all that comes from later on, but basically Palm Sunday is kicking off Holy Week, which officially starts tomorrow, and Holy Week are those days that are leading up to Easter where we remember and we reflect upon Jesus' last kind of days, his last moments here on earth before he was crucified on the cross. And so in honor of Holy Week, and we are going to celebrate um, and do a few things to really dig in and reflect and experience God and Jesus through this season. And so we have a few special things that are happening. And so I'm just going to mention them and then encourage you to grab the announcement handout 
on your way out. There's two sides to it, all right? So the Holy Week stuff is on the back. And so grab that on your way out. But we do have a Maundy Thursday service, which is on Thursday. And that's going to be at 6 o'clock here at the church. And that is going to be a foot washing service. And Felice Salmon is going to uh, lead us in that time together. And I believe Pastor Christina will be there as well. And that will be a beautiful time just to come and connect. Um, if you remember the story uh, where Jesus was sharing his last meal with his disciples, one of the things that he did during that moment is he knelt down and washed their feet to show them really how much he loved them and give them an example to follow, that, they are, that his followers are meant to serve others, not expect to be served by others. And so um, we're going to wash each other's feet at that service and do a little bit of reflecting on that particular story. And so that's on Thursday at 6. Then on Friday at 6, same time, but on Friday, we're going to have a Good Friday service. And Laban and some others are going to lead us in that time of worship, and I'm really excited about that. There'll be a lot of music and some experiential things to do to connect with God and reflect on Jesus' crucifixion. And then we're not going to do anything on Saturday. Uh, Saturday, Holy Saturday, is, a, is another service that people often do. We're not going to this year. But then on Easter Sunday, we have three things, okay? The first is we have a sunrise service at 645, and it's going to be outdoors right over here in our side lawn. And so if you like to get up early, then come on out to that service. It may be cold, so dress warm. It'll be a very laid-back, kind of short service. And then we're going to do Easter breakfast for those who would like to come eat with us at 9.30 down in our fellowship hall, which is downstairs. You don't have to bring any food. Just bring yourself and your family and come ready to eat, and that will be really fun. And then after that, you can just stay until worship starts at 11 o'clock. And our Easter Sunday, we're going to have everybody all together in here in the sanctuary. And so all the babies and all the kids and everyone. So we're actually not going to have nursery. The nursery will be open. If any parent would like to go in there and needs to step out with their child, then you can do that. Um, the cafe will also be open, and we'll be streaming the service in there if you need to step in there with any of your children. But we're just going to have a, a fun, loud, wonderful, chaotic service with all the people in here together. And so it's okay if your kids are screaming during Easter Sunday. I won't preach too long. Don't worry. Um, so I'm really excited about all those things. And so read through the rest of the announcements and familiarize yourself with what's going on. And make sure you can show up to our different events this week during Holy Week. Finally, um, I'm going to go ahead and invite Sally to come forward. Sally, uh, let's give Sally a hand as she comes forward. Sally is one of our partner missionaries who serves in Costa Rica, and we are so grateful to have her here because she's in the States right now visiting, and so we're so grateful to have her here in church that we wanted to make sure she had a chance to give you a brief update on kind of some things that are going on with her in Costa Rica and maybe some ways that you can partner with her. We have uh, partner missionaries who are serving in Honduras as well, and which is really exciting, and uh, we have partner missionaries, the Fogelmans, who are serving in Albania. Yes, they just recently moved, and all those countries get a little confusing in my mind sometimes. So they are in Albania, and they just started there, which is really exciting as well. And so I'm going to turn it over to Sally, and she's going to share with you just for a moment. And kids, we're going to dismiss you after Sally shares, so just be patient. Good morning on this wonderful Palm Sunday. I bring you greetings from Harvest Tabernacle, my church in Puerto Limon, Costa Rica, with 
Pastor Herbert and my husband Crosby. I would first like to thank Embrace, Pastor John, Pastor Christina, and Pastor Tanya, uh, for sh and the Embrace family for sharing and being a part of our mission in ministry in Costa Rica. Through your prayers, through your encouragement, through your virtual ministry, which was a lifeline at times, and the support that you give. When COVID hit, we decided to plant more fruits and vegetables on our farm area around our home. And also we have a vivero, which is a nursery, and we started to plant there as well. Well, needless to say, living in the tropics, our harvest is now bountiful. Daily, we're harvesting different produce that is typical to our land. If you've seen our Facebook page or our website, Hearts and Hands for Jesus, pictures of banana, plantain, cuadrado, which is like in the plantain family, yam, yuca, yampi, papaya, mango, lemons, coconut, jackfruit, and breadfruit are just to name a, fruit, a few. These are handed out to families with food insecurity in our church and community, as well as in the indigenous region in Talamanca, along with the provision bags when they're needed. This year, the Costa Rican school year ended in January instead of December. Graduations were held, and we had a total of 15 high school graduates and eight which were from Harvest Tabernacle. The students only had a short break with classes ending the second week of January, and the new school year commenced the second week of February. All the students are back in classrooms following the COVID guidelines, and this year, we were able to help 128 students from kindergarten to university. Some of our high school graduates have continued studying in university or technical schools and others are seeking employment. I wish all of you could experience the joy and happiness as the graduates expressed their thankfulness when we took them out to a special meal. Students were so excited receiving school supplies, knowing someone cares and believes in them. God's love abounds. With your help, we are truly fulfilling hearts and hands for Jesus' motto, breaking chains, sharing God's love, and changing lives. These are all part of our outreach missions of our ministry. I also want to share about responsibilities as being a co-pastor. Most importantly, it's my heart's desire for others to understand their true identity in Christ as a child of God, to help babies to adults to grow in a personal relationship with the Lord through teaching, prayer, worship, and fellowship. I would like to share a personal testimony of a young man I will call Kamal. Kamal grew up in an abusive and neglectful situation with his mother and siblings. He would bounce back and forth between his father's home and his mother's home. He attended school while living with his father and did much better in that home environment. He developed an ex to become an excellent athlete in soccer, football for us, and track. Tragically, his father died in an accident and Kamal ended up back in the home with his mother and siblings. Things went downhill from there as he quit school, stopped coming to church, and became involved in a drug gang. The gang he was with committed a crime and he ended up in youth prison in San Jose. 
and we lost total contact with him at that time. Last fall, we had the National Games in Costa Rica, and a post appeared on Facebook of him winning a gold medal in track. He posted, to all my haters out there and those who gave up on me, I give all glory and honor to God. When he, when, where he took me from and where I am now. I immediately private messaged him and he responded. And he informed me how he is now living with a Christian family and was receiving sponsorship to continue his studies and training. He thanked me for teaching him about Jesus and for praying with and for him over the years. How he had helped, it had helped him to turn his heart over to the Lord. He talked about how he remembered when the crew mission teams came to visit working at our church and the vacation Bible school and the love and the acceptance he experienced with them. And then he said, muchísimo gracias. Another responsibility I have at Harvest Tabernacle is leading worship. We have no choir, just as you don't hear, but you have a wonderful worship team, and I would love to take them back with me. <laughs> For only Pastor Herbert plays guitars at times, or we sing to uh, video, download videos. And we sing choruses and hymns and worship songs. And to close, I would like to take... Um, uh, take this time to sing one of the choruses, if I'm able to, a cappello. If you know, you're welcome to join me. I'm a little nervous right now. But this is one of the songs that I really love the most, and it's really where my heart is right now. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. I want to take your word and shine it all around. First help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown, for my reward is bringing glory to you. God bless you until we meet again. Thank you so much, Sally, for sharing with us and leading us in that beautiful song. It's one of my favorites as well. A couple of quick things I forgot to mention that I would like to. One is that we have cards on the table here and on the table out here. And Diane, they're different cards, right, on each? And so uh, these are cards for folks in our church who aren't able to get out uh, for various reasons, uh, maybe just their health, and they've gotten to a place where they can't get out anymore and are bound to their homes, but still consider embrace part of their church family. We have other folks that, due to COVID and a lot of risks there, aren't still able to get out and come back to worship with us. And so in this Easter season, uh, the care team and the pastors want to make sure that we are um, letting them know that our church family uh, loves them and that they're still 
um, in our hearts and our minds, um, even though we don't get to see each other. And so I encourage you just to go sign that card. Um, there's a bunch of them, and so you, you don't have to write a long note if you don't want to, um, but it'd be wonderful for them to get those and just see that so many people in their church family um, love them and are thinking about them. And I also just want to mention briefly that um, the McBrooms are here in town today, and Ellie McBroom's mother, uh, Barb, passed away this past week, and I just wanted to give a special just honor to her this morning. Um, I'm, I'm learning lots about Barb over the past week as I've talked to Ellie and Charlie about her and her life and her legacy, but she leaves behind just a beautiful legacy of someone who loved people unconditionally, uh, really paid attention and reached out to people who were often neglected or maybe um, overseen or not, not seen. She worked in the public school system uh, as a counselor and really just reached out to a lot of young people who really needed some extra love and attention. And she also attended Embrace for a season as well before um, Ellie and Charlie and their family moved to D.C. Um, so I, I just wanted to give a special recognition to her. Um, there is an obituary online for her, a beautiful one that Ellie wrote about her. And then there's also going to be a celebration of life service in May, and that we will remind you about that when it gets closer on May 22nd. Um, but I just wanted to make sure to mention her. Um, you know, we have these banners here that we created on All Saints Day that talk about uh, the great cloud of witnesses. And uh, she is certainly in our great cloud of witnesses, um, cheering us on now as we continue to love uh, as Jesus has called us to love. And so um, just wanted to mention that this morning. And so what we're going to do now is I'm going to dismiss our children for their time of learning in the Wonder Room. So let's give our kids a hand as they come forward. Lots of kiddos today. So the Wonder Room is available to children four years old through fifth grade. We have two classrooms up there for the children. And you're welcome if you're a new parent and you have a child today, you can walk up with them to check it out and kind of know where they're at. But they will be well taken care of um, as we continue on in our worship service. So as they're coming up, uh, the band is going to lead us uh, in a song. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. You are speaking truth to power.
say a prayer for us. God, we thank you so much for this time that we get to come together each and every week. We thank you for the way that this community and our worship and our experience of you through the presence of your spirit, we're thankful that all these things can help to empower us and give us that fullness that we need to continue marching on throughout our difficult weeks. Lord, we pray that today, Lord, you would fill us up in a fresh way, that you would move in us, and that in the upcoming days that you would move through us as we take what we experience and learn And what we get today from being together and from being in your presence, Lord, that we would take all that and that we would pour that out on others in the way that we live our lives. Lord, help us to truly be uh, the people you have called us to be, people who live by that Jesus creed, to, to love God with our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this morning you would help to illuminate our minds that you would do a work inside of us, and that, Lord, it would transform the way that we live our lives. Help us to think deeply today. Help us to be in tune with your spirit and with ourselves as we seek to learn from you and practice wisdom today, trying to discern how to live out this calling in the here and now. Pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read it for us. 
And this is the story of, it's often called the triumphal entry, um, but it's the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. And you'll, you may notice that there are no palm branches in this version of the story. And uh, there, um, but, but in another gospel reading, there are palm branches. And there's no hosannas, actually, in this version either, but they are in the other gospel versions. You may find that. Um, but it's, it's interesting how we have four different gospel. We have four different accounts of Jesus' life, and we get a slightly different take from each of them, which is kind of a fuller picture of what really happened um, so long ago. And so this is a really powerful story. I'm going to read it for us, and then we're going to get into it. I'm in Luke chapter 19. I'm going to start at verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say that the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the coat, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So like I said, today is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday that comes right before Easter. Today marks the beginning of Holy Week, which focuses on those final days of Jesus' life. And the story for Palm Sunday is the same every year, but the lectionary that we've been following actually alternates between the different gospel accounts each year, and so you get a little bit different take on it each year. Today we are in Luke. All four gospels uh, contain this story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is an important story. For many of us in the room, I imagine this story is fairly well known um, since it's often read and preached on and we have the palm branches and we do the whole thing every single year on Palm Sunday. But I'll tell you that the familiarity of the story can often lead us to miss the powerful and I would say radical meaning behind the text. This is way, way more than a fun story about palm branches and hosannas. It is in fact political, 
It is subversive, and it directly challenges our understanding of power and peace. So you all ready to get into it? All right. So one thing right at the beginning. Jesus' actions in this story are very deliberate. We need to know this. They are purposeful. This didn't just happen like this, that he rode into Jerusalem on a colt. Other Gospels say a donkey. It didn't just happen this way by chance. That the people were there, that they were praising his name. He was very deliberate and purposeful in the way he planned out this entry into Jerusalem. He gave very specific instructions to his followers about how to execute this plan of entry into the holy city. You know, Luke, we've talked about how he's describing Jesus on this long journey to Jerusalem. That's how he kind of structures his gospel. Well, we're at the point where he has arrived at Jerusalem. It's taken many chapters to get there. And so this is a really big deal. He's finally arrived at his destination that Luke is building toward. And Jesus is very intentional. He is very deliberate and purposeful in the way he enters the city. He could have entered quietly, you know, just kind of gone into the city, hopefully not seen by anyone. That would have been the safest option for Jesus. Could have prolonged his arrest. But instead, he entered the city in a very public and politically charged manner. In our text for today, the setting of the story matters just as much as the text itself. When and where this all happened really, really matters. So in order to understand the the impact and the importance of Jesus' actions, we need to understand a little bit about what was going on in Jerusalem during that particular week. Jesus entered Jerusalem during the Passover week. During this time, pilgrims, Jewish pilgrims from all across Palestine traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate this really important Jewish holiday. And you need to know that Passover week was a particularly and especially volatile week in Jerusalem. Why was it so volatile? Why was there unrest? Why was it stressful in Jerusalem during this week? Well, think about what the Passover means. Do y'all know what they celebrate during the Passover? The Passover is a celebration of that time when the Israelites were set free from slavery in Egypt. It is a time to remember and honor that decisive moment when God acted on behalf of the oppressed Israelites and he set them free. It recalls all the memories of the Exodus experience. It it recalls leaving Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, their time in the wilderness, the giving of the law, and their eventual settlement in the promised land. And you may not pick up on this, but these are like revolutionary stories of freedom and liberation from a powerful and oppressive empire. These stories of the exodus and God setting the Israelites free were so powerful that back during the height of slavery in America, slaveholders would actually often cut out these stories out of Scripture and they would give those Bibles to their enslaved people because they didn't want them reading about freedom. They didn't want to read about God setting people free from slavery. The Jews living under Roman occupation would certainly uh, 
resonate with this story of Exodus because they were also living under the, the power in the oppressive empire. So just like slaveholders in America, the Roman Empire was not a fan of the Exodus story and they were not a fan of the Jews gathering every year to celebrate Passover. Because what would happen during that week, stirrings of uprising and revolution would be prevalent all throughout Jerusalem because they're all gathered for this deeply spiritual purpose, remembering when they were once set free. And so the Romans uh, would have been very paranoid about this particular week. The Romans had a great distrust for large gatherings of like-minded people. Uh, Most people in power have a lot of distrust for those types of gatherings even today, right? For example, in his letter to Pliny the Younger, Younger, the emperor Trajan, who came shortly after the time of Jesus, but in the same sentiment, he wrote, when people gather together for a common purpose... Whatever name we may give them, when whatever function we may assign them, they soon become political groups. He's essentially saying if people have enough time to organize and gather, they will soon turn against you. And the emperor was not a fan of those kinds of things happening. And so during Passover, there would have been a heightened level of security in Jerusalem. Armed forces would have been stationed all throughout the city to show who was in charge and warn of violent consequences to any upheaval. I'll show you a photo from modern day times here in America, but these are troops that are stationed in front of the Lincoln Memorial during a time of protest in Washington, D.C. after some of the the racial injustice that came to the public eye just a few years ago. A show of force, right? Communicating, don't get out of line because we are powerful and we can even be violent if necessary. There were likely informants monitoring the actions of the Jews who were on pilgrimage in Jerusalem on that particular holiday. This week concerned the Romans to such a degree that the governor Pilate, who had this kind of cushy palace up on the sea in Caesarea, he left his home up by the sea and he would travel to Jerusalem during the week of Passover to make sure that he could keep an eye on all the Jews who were there that particular week. And so Pilate would come to keep an eye on them, and he would enter the city from the west, riding on a chariot pulled by war horses. He would be surrounded by a great parade of Roman soldiers and generals showcasing their power and their military might. There would likely be chants declaring the power and peace of Rome and hailing the emperor as Lord and King. Now knowing this context helps me understand how radical Jesus' entry into Jerusalem that week truly was. Around the same time as Pilate was entering the city from the west, there was another march taking place from the east. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a colt or a donkey surrounded by a marching crowd of ragtag country folk and poor people, chanting, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, it doesn't take much imagination to see how dangerous of a public action that would be for Jesus and his followers. If Pilate or any of the Roman authorities got word about this other march taking place, declaring another king, when they're already paranoid to begin with. 
it could mean trouble for Jesus and his people. Some Pharisees were there that day, and it says some of them, not all of them, but some of them who were there, they saw what was taking place, and they knew how dangerous this was. They were connected to the power there in Jerusalem, and they knew this action of Jesus, this riding into Jerusalem in this way, would be a very dangerous thing. And so they pleaded with Jesus. They said, rebuke your disciples, please. Basically saying, tell them to shut up and stop chanting that you're the king. Because if anybody, any of the informants are here, if anyone hears about this, we could be in big trouble. Not just you, but all your followers and us as well. And so Jesus uh, refused to rebuke the crowd of followers. And he, he said, you know, if I tell them to stop chanting, the rocks are going to cry out for me. <laughs> and he let them continue to praise and to shout their songs of praise. And I think Jesus let them continue on for one reason, because I think Jesus wanted people to see the contrast of what was happening on that day. The contrast between his march and Pilate's march. They needed to see what true kingship and true power looked like. In this action, Jesus publicly rebuked the ways of empire, the methods of violence and control and domination. Guy Jared McKenna, uh, Dustin pointed out to me this week, was essentially um, saying, he argues that Jesus was essentially mocking the Roman Empire by riding in on, you could say, a trike instead of a tank, right? Showing that, that man, like, y'all don't get it. These public demonstrations like this, even today, can often jar people, right? Provoke them to see things differently and possibly even spur people to action. And so as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he looked over the city. I'll show you a photo of a picture that I took when I was in the Holy Land. And this is on the Mount of Olives in a road that's leading down to the Kidron Valley. And then you'll go up again into the city, the old city of Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus would have been walking down, seeing the city in the distance. Like he did earlier in Luke's Gospel, he lamented over Jerusalem once again. And he said, even if you, even you, had only known in this day what would bring you peace. He said, if you had only known what would bring you peace. He says, but now it's hidden. You can't see it. It's hidden from your eyes. This lament of if you had only known what would bring you peace reverberates today, echoing out through all generations and places and moments in history. I hear Jesus' lament over Ukraine and Russia. I hear Jesus' lament over abusive homes. I hear Jesus' lament over oppressive church environments obsessed with power and popularity. I hear Jesus' lament over Frankfurt and the recently ended legislative session. I hear Jesus' lament over the Pentagon, over our city council, over gentrifying urban communities. If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace? Rome is known in history. If you go back to history class, uh, we got a history teacher in the room. Uh, she can tell us a little bit about this probably. But if you go back in history class, um, you may remember this term Pax Romana that you learned about the Roman Empire. But it basically means the peace of Rome. And Rome is known throughout history of bringing a unique type of peace into the world. They built these roads and had a system of government and all these different things that brought some relative type of peace 
to the world. And Rome's version of peace, I think, really has endured to this day. And it is a peace of one kind, but it is not biblical peace. It is a peace without justice, and it is a peace that is a far cry from the peace of Scripture. This so-called peace of Rome was achieved mainly through military conquest and control. Through military operations, Rome would go throughout the land and conquer and subdue foreign nations in order to enable harmony and tranquility back at home. Even in their own empire, uh, they would oppress many people. For instance, the Jews who were living in that area of ancient Palestine, they would oppress people even in their empire so that they could feel at peace. Destruction of enemies meant that they were free from threat and could rest easy. Those living in the city of Rome and maybe other places of power felt at peace because all the violence and poverty and struggles were pushed out to the margins of the empire. Their peace was achieved through control and oppression of people at the margins. In the center, everyone was happy. Life was good, right? But out there, uh, they didn't realize how messed up things were. What was happening in places like Jerusalem and Bethlehem and in Galilee. You know, I delivered pizza when I was in college in West Palm Beach, Florida for a few years. And if y'all have ever been to West Palm, you know, you got West Palm, the city. It's right on the intercoastal waterway. You cross the bridge, you go to Palm Beach Island, which that's got some of the most wealthy people and places in our entire world, right? And, and on Palm Beach Island, you had mansions, you had gated communities. The streets were clean. People were beautiful. There was wealth. There was nice food. There were beaches. All was good on Palm Beach Island. We would go over there just feeling like life was good, right? Certainly those people feel some peace on Palm Beach Island. But then just five blocks on the other side, uh, delivering pizza, you can actually do it by the number of the house. You knew if the community was going to be a community of great wealth or if it was going to be a community affected by the just um, consequences and the, just the terrible effects of poverty. Just five blocks on the other side of the intercoastal, you had some of the most poorest and, and neighborhoods plagued with violence in our entire nation. Even on Palm Beach Island, I discovered as I delivered pizza, you would have these beautiful buildings I would deliver pizza to. On the outside, they looked like mansions, and you would go inside, and they were ratty, dingy dorms for all the workers who were working for the people on the island. And they had shared bathrooms. It looked like a bad college dorm, right? And, and it had the appearance, right, uh, of being wonderful. It was, they were hiding them in a way from some of these folks on the island to keep that image of peace. I read a story a few weeks ago, we'll bring this a little closer to home, about the crime problem uh, in downtown Lexington. It was on uh, one of our news stations. And, and much of this story about the crime in downtown was focused, as you dug into it, it was most of the complaints were about people who didn't have homes, who were sleeping downtown and gathering near a lot of downtown businesses, and the owners of these businesses were not happy about these folks, you know, hanging around their place of, or place of business. And the proposed solution was to hire more police to patrol and control the area. And this type of thing has happened in many cities all across our, our country. As more wealth comes into urban communities, the police presence is ramped up, and the poor often forced out so that more wealthy people can feel at peace while dining or seeing a show or going for a walk. 
Yet the issue with this kind of approach to address these kinds of issues is it doesn't do anything to address the underlying issues of homelessness, of drug addiction, of broken families, or lack of opportunities for youth. That's a worldly idea of peace, that we achieve it through control, through pushing people away, and having this false image that everything is okay. And it's often achieved through control and through the threat of violence. Biblical peace is nothing like that. It's way better, actually. The Hebrew word for peace in the Old Testament is a word called shalom. And shalom is like my favorite word in all the Bible. Either that or there's another word, hesed, that I really like. They're, they're like they go hand in hand, actually. Um, but shalom is this beautiful word that, that is translated as peace. But often what you'll find, Hebrew words have a lot of layers of meaning to them. It means peace, but it also means justice. It means righteousness. It means wholeness. To have shalom means that you have a healthy and you have a whole society. You have whole people. Yes, we have peace in our lives, but we also have whole communities. Whole implies all. Shalom means that everybody is taken care of. That no one is left behind. That everyone is, has what they need and nobody is left without. This is the type of peace that Jesus is offering if only people could follow His way. And this is way better than the peace of the world, right? Our solution sometimes to our issues that we face lacks so much imagination. And the Bible provides a way for us to really imagine what a better world could look like, what a better community, what a better city, what a better church could look like. Shalom means that people have access to basic needs like health care and food and housing and legal protection. Shalom means that less powerful groups are protected, that widows are taken care of, that vulnerable children are looked after. Shalom means that people love God with their whole hearts and seek to love others the way God loves them. Shalom means that war isn't necessary because people from diverse places and backgrounds actually can live in harmony together. Shalom means that just policies, right, that consider all the people, not just some. Shalom means that there is no need for gated communities because we aren't afraid of our neighbors. Shalom is a Hebrew word uh, given to us in the Old Testament, but I think the New Testament version of peace, in some sense, is taken even further. Because to achieve peace in the New Testament is to model our lives after Jesus who called us to self-sacrifice, to giving of ourselves for others, and love, and He even calls us to love our enemies. You know, worldly peace celebrates the destruction of enemies for the purpose of control and security and more power and wealth. However, biblical peace reconciles former enemies through Christ killing the hostility between people. Worldly peace seeks to destroy enemies, while biblical peace turns enemies into friends. Let me show you a photo that I've showed here before a few years ago, but to me it just clearly shows the difference between these two types of peace. This is a missile that has the name the Peacekeeper. This peacekeeping missile had the capacity to carry multiple nuclear warheads and could travel thousands of miles. It had the ability to strike a target with incredible accuracy and decimate entire cities. This missile could destroy an enemy, any enemy in its path. The peace that this missile brings is not 
biblical peace. It is a peace that seeks control and security through more death and destruction. Regardless of your beliefs about war, whether you think war is ever necessary, can we all agree that this missile does not promote shalom, (laughs) right? Wholeness, righteousness, justice, love. Can we agree that this missile does not spread the peace of Christ that turns enemies into friends through self-sacrificial love? The biblical concept of shalom has transformed the way I think about peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict as we often think, but peace really is the presence of justice. Peace is not achieved through control, domination, or violence. Peace is achieved through self-sacrificial love and care and concern and through working for the common good. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. I'll just say briefly that peacemaking, I don't think, is the same as peacekeeping. (laughs) Keeping the peace is often focused on not rocking the boat. It's focused on order and security. But peacemaking is active. It's gritty. It's about pursuing things that God is about. It is about actively seeking the wholeness of people, of communities, of relationships. And these are things we're trying to do at our church. Sally's trying to do in Costa Rica. These are things that we are committed to here at our church. I want to close by just reading this prayer of St. Francis. And maybe we could say this together, actually, if you don't mind. Make sure it's back there. We got it, Steve? There we go. Um, We'll read it slow, but this is a beautiful prayer, and there's going to be two different slides for it. Then we're going to sing a song that reflects on this at the end of the service. But this is about taking a message like this and really bringing it closer to home. How can we bring the, the shalom, this peace that God seeks to bring into our world? How can we as individuals be as a community, be instruments of peace in our world today. That song we sang, Your Peace Will Make Us One, is kind of reimagining the battle hymn of the Republic and taking a song that's using these images of, of, of weapons and of war and of um, military images and violent images and kind of reimagining that song with images of peace and, and, and wholeness, images of, of mothering and of gardening and bringing new life instead of destruction. And I think we need to reimagine how we think about peace and and what our role here as as people is to to bring more of God's shalom into our families, into our communities, into our friend groups, and all across our world. So let's say this together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. We're going to share communion this morning. For those who would like to share it with us, um, no pressure, but if you would like to share communion with us, this is a practice we do each and every week.
And it's perfect to practice communion as we begin Holy Week, as we reflect on Jesus and what he went through and the sacrifice he made for, for the entire world um, through, through giving himself up on the cross, pouring out himself so that we might be able to find life to the fullest. This is a powerful thing that we do every week. It brings us together and it helps us stay focused on Christ. If you don't have a communion cup, there's some at the front door there. You can go back and get them out of the basket. Um, You're welcome to grab one then. But let me just say a prayer and then we'll share together. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and for your goodness. We thank you for your love. God, I pray that you would give us the courage today to be honest. to be honest about the ways that we've been kind of manipulated and believed a lot of lies about what is right and good, the ways we've just taken our cues from people in power who tell us how to think and how to live. And God, I pray that you would give us courage to acknowledge the ways that we are wrong, but also the courage to look wide-eyed at you, <laughs> that we would not... Um, be lulled to sleep by all the distractive forces around us. <laughs> but that we could look at you, keep our eyes focused on you. That we could stay awake to both the horror and the hope. There's so much pain, there's so much suffering all around us. There are horrors upon horrors that we see each and every day. And God, help us not to run, help us not to be afraid. Help us not to shut our ears to the cries of the people who are hurting. But Lord, also help us, Lord, to see the hope that is in you. Lord, I pray that even though often your way of peace seems foolish and stupid in our world today, it feels like it's not going to get us anywhere in this world where everyone's trying to seek power and climb the ladder and Lord, our power over others. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that we would be willing and have the courage to embrace this this gospel that often does seem like foolish. It seems foolish in the eyes of this world, but Lord, help us to, to see that this upside-down kingdom that you're offering us is actually the path to, to restoration. It's actually the path to healing. Healing for ourselves, for our communities, for our families, for our world, for our creation. And Lord, you know that, that there's a lot of healing that still needs to be done in this world. So God, I pray that you would help us to be instruments of healing, not instruments of death. That we could be instruments of, of love and not violence. That we could be people who include rather than exclude. That we could be people who embrace this upside-down kingdom. Where the least and the last and the lost are actually in the prized and privileged position and help those of us with some privilege and power to, to humble ourselves, Lord, to figure out how we can come and accompany those on their journey to be set free from a lot of the things that this world is it's holding on people. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these communion elements, this uh, wafer and this juice or whatever food and drink folks have at home who are worshiping with us online, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these common things that they could be for us 
something extraordinary, that they could be for us the body and blood of Christ, that you would fill us up right now in a fresh way by your Spirit, that we would leave here feeling that we've encountered God. (laughs) And I pray that this encounter with God, with you, could inspire us and change us from the inside out. Lord, we need you so much. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If y'all want to go ahead and get out your little wafer on top, those of you who are worshiping at home, whatever food you have will do, whatever you've set aside for this purpose, I encourage you to take and eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. You can take the juice or whatever drink you have at home. I encourage you to take and drink. It's the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We're going to end our time by just singing a simple song together that was written kind of from those words, from that prayer that we prayed. If you'd like to pray at the altar and spend some personal time with God on your knees, you're welcome to do that. If you would like me to pray with you, please just come over here to this side and let me know. If not, I'll just assume you're wanting your own time there. If you'd like a member of the prayer team to pray with you, then you can go to the back of the room. I see Tanya back there this morning, and I know she would be happy to lift you up. So why don't we all stand together as we close our service?
Amen. Well, thank you all for being here today. It's been really good to be together. Um, I encourage you, um, if God is stirring in your heart, or if there's something going on in your heart and your mind this week, just wrestle with that. I also want to remind you, if you ever, ever want to talk about uh, anything that we share here on Sundays and sermons or music or whatever, announcements, um, my door is open to you. Just reach out to me and let me know, and I would love to get together and process any questions or thoughts or stirrings that's going on inside of you. Um, Even if you have disagreements, I would love to talk about that with you. Uh, So please, please reach out if you ever need anything. I know I'm available. Um, Tanya and Christina would be more than happy to to meet with you as well. Um, I want to remind you before you leave, if you could stop by um, and fill out, just sign your name to those cards. Um, There's some out here and there's some over there. That would be awesome. Um, That would just be really a special thing we can do for some of these folks who aren't able to be here with us in person. So prepare your hearts for the benediction. The benediction is simply the sending out. It's sending you all out to live out the things that God has done in your heart today. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.